Welcome to the Amy Rushworth Show. I'm your host, Amy. I'm so glad you're here. I'm an empowerment and sexual wellness coach, breathwork teacher, podcaster, course creator, badass bitch, and a globally recognized thought leader on empowerment. And I'm here to help you if you're ready to fuck off the rules and create a life of unashamed, unapologetic pleasure and deep, deep confidence. I have a burning passion for the taboo and naughty areas of womanhood that we're not supposed to talk about, such as sexual wellness, bold self-expression, defying social expectations, and so much more. The topics that we're typically taught to shut up about or be ashamed of are the conversations I live for, and those are the kind of juicy, soulful chats that are going down on this show. My intention is for you to step into your most outrageously free, unapologetically expressed version of you. So if that sounds like a vibe, let's fucking go. Are you ready? Hey, beautiful. How are you? Ah, hey, I'm so good. So good to be here with you. Yeah, thank you so much. Can you introduce yourself for our listeners? Yeah, I'm Sabi, Sabi Kerr. I'm a self-love coach, yoga teacher, many other things. And really my, my work is all about guiding women to deeply love themselves, to feel worthy, to form a really, really beautiful relationship with who they are so that they can call in the life, the business that's on their heart. And so their life feels really passionate and purposeful from a place of enoughness and worth, Um, you know, really building that foundational self-worth piece so that you can call in what you're really, really desiring. So all of the different things I do um, link back to that. Amazing. Awesome. So what led you to this? Like, have you always loved yourself? Is it something that you had to work on? What has your journey been into this line of work? Mm, yeah, and it's such a good question. And I <laughs> I sometimes feel like I disappoint people with the answer because it's not like a rags to riches story of massive self-loathing to like incredible self-love. Um, it's really been more like a, a steady, steady growth me um I felt like I kind of loved myself and it never felt like I had terrible self-worth um but when I came out of a long 11-year relationship that was my massive wake-up call to start doing this work to to really start my spiritual journey um so came out of an 11-year relationship went um to do my first yoga teacher training kind of at the same time and just realized all of the ways that I had not been showing up for myself um realized the ways that that relationship wasn't really serving me the ways that I'd been self-abandoning and ignoring you know myself um in 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 subtle ways And so it wasn't always really, really apparent for me at the time, because in other parts of my life, I felt like I was quite self-loving. I was um, always exploring the work that I wanted to do and always was quite, um, yeah, like confident about wanting to explore paths that didn't make sense to everyone else. So I've done lots of different kind of careers um, before coming into this. So from that angle, I felt really confident, but in how I was showing up in that relationship and not always being um, 
yeah treated in the way that I really really deserved I just let so much of that kind of pass me by and so Mm -hmm. that was a massive wake-up call really coming out of that and just looking I'm just finally starting to ask myself all of the questions that I had been ignoring for a long time um and so from that moment up till now I think it's just been a a steady continuation um of more of this work and I think what I love and I I'm sure you're the same is that we get to do this work too and we get to continually like be committed ourselves to doing this the work even as we guide you know clients so yeah so for me it's just been a um a gradual continuation of of um growth really yeah I love so many things you've mentioned I love how you mentioned that you did feel like you had this embodied sense of self-love in some areas, but it showed up in just your relationship at that time and reflecting on that relationship that had just come to an end. I think it's important that people know that like it's the same with confidence, empowerment, self-love, like sometimes you're thriving in one area and another area it's not, you know, so going so well for you um or it's something that you might need to pay more attention to or nurture a little bit more um I also love how you mentioned that it started with like asking those questions you know asking yourself like how is this feeling for me am I showing up in this way in this relationship what do I want to change going forward or like help myself with going forward And then the third piece, you know, getting to embody the work as you're teaching it as a coach, because I know a lot of coaches listen to the show and the imposter syndrome can really be a big thing for a lot of people. So maybe we should go into that. Like, Mm. what is this, I guess, relationship or link between imposter syndrome and self-love? Yeah, it's such a big one. It's such a big one. Um, Imposter syndrome is, you know, really saying, who am I to be doing this? Am I really good enough to be taking up space in whatever this thing is that we're wanting to do? And in any industry, this is big, but especially in ours, where you look on Instagram and it looks like every single person you follow is doing, you know, what what you want to be doing. Um, And for me, the biggest shift I made um, was when I was trying to get more specific with my niche actually and it was so clear that all of the work that I was helping women with was to do with self-love and feeling really worthy and feeling really rooted in in that foundational work but I didn't want to use the word self-love because I said like everyone's doing it everyone's using that term I can't as well is there really space for me too and the biggest shift was like yes everyone's using it but you get to take up space too. Yes, there are a million self-love coaches, but... Oh, babes, you've just gone on to mute. <laughs> That's so weird. Mercury retrograde. Can you hear me there now? We go. Yeah. Oh, that is so weird. Damn it. I didn't touch anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's mercury retrograde oh, right <laughs> wow yeah I mean <laughs> yeah so yeah as you were saying that thing of like wanting to be able to take up space to feel confident when people are doing what you want to do yeah absolutely and so for me it was really the shift of of fully um standing in my power and recognizing that 
there are so many other people that do similar work and that is a great thing and that I do this work too and no one does it quite how I do it you know and that was really really powerful to embrace and embody and that was the biggest shift for me that allowed me to start taking up space and using my voice in a space that can sometimes feel quite oversaturated Um, and that was the biggest thing I held a workshop last night on this and the biggest block so many people was I look at Instagram and there are so many coaches that do exactly the same work I do how do I take up space yeah yeah and people I think even probably compare themselves sometimes to you or I, you know, because when you look at people that you admire and usually when you look at people you admire, <clears throat> they're, you know, a little bit ahead of you, right, in terms of time or experience, et cetera, right? But they started in the exact same position as well, looking to the people that they admired. And even if you say the exact same thing as them, you're going to say it in your personality. Like Mm. not everybody likes my personality, right? Like I'm a bit strong for some people, right? I've got a quiet taste for others. And then there are people, and you were actually saying this the other day on Instagram, like how you've learned to own that you're a little bit more of like a soft introverted sort of personality in a way. Mm. Like you're not you know, the same flavor as someone else, but like you're your flavor and learning to actually embody that has allowed you to amplify your success because you're saying it in your unique, authentic way. And that's magnetic for the people who resonate with you and your way of communicating and expressing the message. Yeah, absolutely. And this is why I always say like this work of taking up space in your business is such a work of self-love. It's asking you like, who are you? who are you? What is your personality? What are your unique quirks? What is your authentic energy? And then allow yourself to be that. Stop trying to be everyone else on Instagram and allow yourself to really show up as you are, because that is your USP. That is what sets you apart. And no one can copy that because no one is you. And your people are going to be attracted to you. And it's this real release of needing to please everybody you know it's real release of needing to speak to absolutely everybody and when you let that go the people that are for you will stay and they'll be there and they'll want to work with you so I think that's a really yeah beautiful thing to acknowledge totally and you know I sort of believe like we need to love ourselves at the foundation but in this line of work and in our careers or whatever line of work our listeners are in, your work does give you a sense of recognition in a way, right? Everybody loves to be positively affirmed and it feels really good to have people like what you're putting down, right? Like picking up what you're putting down. Mm-hmm. So it shouldn't be all of your work, but I think when you actually are recognized for being who you actually are Mm. in your business, in your work, your genuine self, that is so affirming. It is so much more affirming to be celebrated and recognized, whether that's financially or verbally by others in some capacity for being who you actually are Mm. versus, you know, just, you know, applying some template that you've seen someone else doing. Um, because we're all unique and I think we all have a different way that like 
we express and uh, we create success for ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so empowering knowing that you did that by being you. And it's like, like I said before, no one, no one can do that in exactly the same way because no one is you. So this is like the most sustainable way to show up because how exhausting would it be to put on a different mask every single day, trying to do what you're told to do or what you think is going to make you money? Like that is not sustainable at all. Yeah, Absolutely. So I know you and I have had conversations before, and it's really been brought to the surface this year with anti-racism and the prevalence of race and implicit bias in particularly the coaching, wellness, and spiritual industry. So if we look at this also through this lens of like imposter syndrome and entering into a saturated industry, how has it been for you entering into this industry that is you know, very whitewashed, yeah. a lot of white people. Um, and, you know, being, I guess, like the minority in a way inside of this yeah. realm that you love. Yeah. And it's interesting because so much of it, even for me, is not always super conscious. It's like, even for me, I'm so used to um, walking into a yoga studio and it being mainly white people and it's interesting how you know I you know I was teaching in Bali for a while um and me and my my ex-partner were like maybe the like the handful of, of black yoga teachers on the whole island I mean it's a small island and it's just interesting how quickly that becomes normal even though it's like wait like we need to look at this um and so it's interesting for me to I did a lot of reflection on this this year um, and realized how many frustrations, how much frustration I was feeling that had gone unexpressed for a long, long time until this year. Um, The frustration of being the only teacher of color at events or at a studio in Bali or scrolling the gram and seeing so many white coaches taking up space and thinking like what about the women that look like me and not really having that many people that I could really look up to in this industry that look like me and and it was painful but beautiful to go through that reflection period this year um of of nothing that I never thought before everything had been thought but it was like experiencing it on a new level because I actually got to voice it out loud and people listened in a way that they would not have been ready to before this year you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how do you feel like that kind of uprising has been going because obviously we had that like huge surge particularly in the coaching and wellness industries on Instagram in like March kind of April time and then I think a lot of people took a step back and either did the work or didn't um, or continuing or didn't continue how has it left you feeling um, and like what is the general kind of uh like what's the general kind of feeling that you have right now towards the coaching industry and maybe what needs to continue changing or being illuminated yeah there's it's a mix it's a mix of I'm glad that more people's eyes have been opened and that more conversations have been had than previously um so I'm you know I'm happy about that 
But then there's the question of all of the people that I saw talking about racism, um, sharing what they were going to do about it, saying the right thing, um, mm. and just me questioning, what are you doing now? Like, what is continuing to happen? And obviously, we don't know everything that happens behind the scenes, but whenever there is such a surge of, of action, it's hard to, you know, not question how much of that was performative and how much of that mm -hmm. is actually really being put into practice in your life and in your business now. Um, mm -hmm. So it's challenging because I, I don't know the answer. Um, I just want people to realize that this is an ongoing important piece of work and why this is so so important in this industry and I feel like we probably spoke about this in the live that we did during the the really hectic period um is that like this is the industry that we're preaching about love and light and inclusivity and limiting beliefs and biases and you know conditioning we're talking about all of these things and racism and white supremacy it's it's deep conditioning entrenched into society and this is some of the deepest like spiritual work that you can do to to look at your shit to look at how you have been racist for maybe your entire life mm. and that can be such painful work to do um and so many people aren't doing it because they don't want to be a bad person, because they know they're going to face some harsh truths. And so it was really challenging for me in that period to see a lot of people that call themselves leaders in this industry that aren't actually doing the work that's required to be a good leader in this industry that is talking about love and light and inclusivity and you know doing good things for the planet and there was such a mismatch between that message and then are you really doing the real work that's needed right now mm, yeah definitely and I think it is hard to tell from Instagram isn't it when you've just yeah. got these 15 second clips and I know for some of my friends, you know, they've gone and like invested a lot of money in hiring, you know, diversity and inclusion coaches and doing deep training, but you don't always see it on yeah. their Instagram, um, you know, and then there are people who are just, you know, too afraid to look at it because they feel guilty. And I know I definitely had like a lot of those very uncomfortable emotions surface for me growing up in Australia and a very racist culture like I'll just say it like a lot of Aussies are listening to this but um you know it always made me feel really uncomfortable and um you know what I've kind of learned is like the uncomfortable emotions as with all healing is the gateway to how we heal it's like leaning into that resistance and finding ways to soothe yourself through the process and continuing to go into it so it's definitely still like a work in progress for me like coming up against like yeah. wanting to run away when it feels too uncomfortable and um, looking at my own implicit biases like I I kind of recognized recently somebody said it on Instagram and they were saying like do you immediately invest in white coaches versus 
someone else who you follow who's black or a woman of color who does the exact same thing and you resonate with their work have you taken any of their programs and I thought yeah actually I haven't right so I sort of just instead of being like oh my god I'm such a bad person I can't believe I've done this like I need to hide this and feel ashamed I just thought okay well like I'm just going to pay attention more consciously to these amazing women that I do follow and yeah. their courses and making sure that I'm looking at them and not buying because I feel guilty, but actually just doing a bit of digging and going, oh yeah, they do offer this. And that really resonates for me. So being conscious, I guess the same way, you know, you might be conscious about buying from a small business over, you know, a big corporation or like a lot of Aussies, they like to buy Australian owned and they check that the business is Australian owned. I think it's just being like conscious about it, you know, and using your awareness, not to guilt trip yourself, but to actually just make more conscious decisions that have this amazing vibrational effect on other people and and the planet, like you said. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because staying in that guilt space, like doesn't do anything. Um, Mm -hmm. And what I love about, I I remember when, even when we had that chat back in the few weeks where everything was kind of popping off around the world is, um, yeah, I love that you're able to say, yeah, I, I don't know everything. Yeah, I've done racist things, which most people have. If you're not a person of color, you know, you have said mm-hmm. things, done things. You have that conditioning. Um, and you can admit that and you can say that and you can commit to doing better and continuing to show up. You know, it's an ongoing process of showing up. And I think that's really, really important to drop the guilt and because it's not about you it's not about you and it's not about your guilt it's about a commitment to doing better for the people in the planet you know this is like love work I see anti-racism as love work it is the greatest act of love for humanity you know saying if we are really all one then here's what I'm going to do to actually help us be all one because right now we're not. Um, Mm. So yeah, I I love that. I love that you're doing that and that you're, um, yeah, that not staying in the guilt place and are not just buying things because you're guilty, but you're actually just being aware of what's coming up for you. That's really powerful. Yeah. I love that you talk about how it's love work and self-love work and Really, it's manifestation work, right? Because if you're looking at uncomfortable truths, but moving towards the solution, you're creating an effect that's rippling into your community. If you're using your platform that way, you're affecting people that you don't even know. You're like, your vibration is so powerful. Do you know what I mean? And so... I think it's important to say this as well because a lot of people don't like to go into this stuff because they're like, it's going to lower my vibrations, you know, and they Uh, say things like that. And actually it's like sometimes there are very real 3D effects, like like let's get out of the 5D world for a sec and let's look at the 3D human world that we live in because, yeah, we're spiritual souls having a human experience, but the human experience is real. And how do we address the blocks the same way in all trauma work? You can't just say, okay, we'll do some affirmations and your trauma will be gone. It's like, no, let's address the thing that is blocking you from the healing 
realm that's blocking you from being limitless and loving and abundant and, you know, loving hard on yourself without effort. What is the block, right? And so racism is the block for all of us because as long as it's there, it doesn't just inhibit people who are disadvantaged by it. It inhibits you because you're separate to those people and you know unconsciously that you are. You know it on the unconscious level. Absolutely. And on an unconscious level, that's harmful for you to be the harmer and to be the Mm. oppressor. You know, that's that's harmful for you. Um, And so, yeah, it's such, such powerful work, such powerful work. And yeah, it's shadow work. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Yes, you're pushing it away and you don't want to look at it. Um, but for anyone that is worried about lowering their vibration through doing any work that feels uncomfortable, like I just encourage to reassess what that word even means, what vibration Mm -hmm. even means, what love and light even means, what your spiritual work even means, because spiritual work is definitely not about just staying in the rainbows and sunshine area the whole time. You know, yeah. and you can go into the darkness, but do that from a place of deep love and be rooted in love as you're moving through those really uncomfortable areas. Totally. What I think lowers the vibration is resisting mm. what you know, what yeah. you know deep down. You're resisting it the same way. Like yeah. ang- anger doesn't lower your vibration, your resistance to it does, right? Mm-hmm. It's still there. You're just resisting it. But if you just embraced it for a moment, it would pass through. And then, you yeah. know, the solution would appear and this new vibration would be there. But um, yeah, I think it's important to like talk about that. And I do think, like you said, it's a really huge part of self-love work and the responsibility that we all have as leaders, whether you're a coach or not, you know, you're a human being that has an influence on people, Mm. um, you know, in so many ways. Uh, But switching gears for a moment, I know your group program is called Release Your Radiance. And I'm guessing from the name, that's exactly what you're doing. So (laughs) what does it mean to release our radiance as women and work with the feminine? Mm, Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a homecoming, you know, all of this work with self-love for me is a homecoming. It's not about being someone else. It's not about being more than, than you are. It's not about this constant improvement. Of course, there's always growth. and We can always improve, but it's not about the more, more, more. It's more about coming home to who you have always been. Um, and it's an unraveling. It's a taking off the mask. It's a taking off the the disguises that you've been wearing that have been covering up who you actually are. And, you know, those masks look like different things. They look like the beliefs that you've inherited from your family. They look like the things that you've um, been told to believe from society, from work, from the relationships that you've been in. All of the things that actually aren't yours and we're never yours in the first place and letting those go um, and so releasing your radiance is for me a homecoming you know there is a radiant powerful woman inside each of us that is inherently worthy that is inherently confident um, and is so tapped into her own power Um, and it's it's a it's a returning back to that really yeah yeah, so it's not like externally sourcing that. It's like 
it's in it's in you babes and mm. we need to amplify it and get it yeah. out and release it yeah absolutely absolutely amazing and so I know that you're really into uh embodiment of sensuality and the feminine through dance you know that's definitely a big part of your past as well and something mm. that I know you love to do so what's the link between the feminine and being in our bodies and being able to dance and move and express ourselves sexually. Mm. Yeah, so much. And it wasn't really until I started doing workshops in Bali that I experienced and witnessed firsthand the link between the work that I was already doing in coaching and then what I was doing, you know, because I've, I've been dancing for a long time and I've got many dance teaching certifications and I did it very I did it way before I got into spirituality way before I got into self-development way before I did this kind of work but I realize now how really that was one of my first connections to something greater than than just me on this planet you know but I just didn't have the words for it back then um and seeing women get so in their bodies um and seeing women develop in like an hour this confidence and this power and this um full like embracing of their sensuality was something that I it was hard to help women feel that in any other way like mm. in any other way and it was this um yeah, incredible realization that the more I would lead sessions like that, the more I would see women feel so confident, but also see the awkwardness that comes with sometimes seemingly to me, seemingly simple exercises of like sensually touching your shoulder or like allowing your hands to connect to your body, allowing your hands to touch your neck, allowing your head to like whatever it is. Like I know this is a podcast, so they can't see what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just like we're gonna put it on YouTube so they'll see it on YouTube (laughs) Um, but it was really interesting to notice how many women even that felt awkward even even things that were really simple felt awkward but for me because I'd been dancing for a long time I was quite connected to my body in that way Um, and so it just led me to ask a lot more questions of like why is that so challenging why does that feel awkward and uncomfortable for a lot of women and so much of it was to do with what we're told is not safe for women how we're taught that being in our feminine is shameful being attached to you know our softness and our sensuality is is something that um, we shouldn't outwardly express Um, and yeah it was really beautiful just diving even deeper um, into that when all of this came up with women that I was working with. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it makes so much sense because the feminine is in the body, but it's not very safe for women to be in their bodies, like at least the last, you know, 5,000 years or so. Because, you know, if you look at religious imprinting and conditioning, you're there as a vessel, you know, you're not here to be pleasurable which is very inconsistent with the truth because you know your clitoris has 8,000 nerve endings that exist only for your pleasure right (laughs) no other function but I think um 
that awkwardness that you mentioned is so common and I don't even know if it's fully ours, right? Yeah, because it's yeah. like an ancestral thing because if you were in your body, you'd be, you know, shamed. If you were an intuitive woman at some points in history, you'd be burned and killed because they would say you're a witch mm. for being in touch with your intuition. So it's um, really deep work, but so cool that uh, you can actually just integrate that, not through like a deep therapy conversation, but actually through getting into your body, moving it and learning to get comfortable in it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really powerful and exciting for me to bring that into my work and to bring that into my, like my program, release your radiance and to be able to be like, Oh, like for me before, like teaching dance was separate to coaching women. And now it's like, how is that separate when your work is rooted in self-love and feeling worthy and helping women to feel confident and empowered? There is no way these two things are separate. Um, so it's been really powerful for me to to bring them together yeah well now that you mentioned that actually I know that you have spoken about this before and it's been a journey for you with your self-love journey in your business I know that you've broken through this false myth of like putting yourself in one box or the other and actually you've kind of reclaimed all of these different passions and realized that you don't have to be a niche or one little brand that does one little thing like yeah. you are letting yourself have all your f- fingers in the cookie jars um and I think that would be cool for us to talk about because yeah. I do think a lot of coaches and even just business owners and even just women right they think I've got to be this or I've got to be that I've got to be either this or that and I can't be all of the pieces of who I am Mm, it's been such a fun journey for me to embrace being all parts of me (laughs) in my work as well as in my personal life Um, and the more I allow myself to bring in all of my different you know because I've done many different things before coming to what I'm doing now lots of dancing many different certifications in that Um, I studied economics at university so I was really academic and it's I know it, it it seems very different And then I worked for a bit in management consulting. I then trained to be a primary school teacher and was a teacher in schools in London for, you know, a few years. Um, Had a side business. So I did, I tried lots of different things before I got into um, spirituality, self-development, trained to be a yoga teacher, did lots of different um, certifications in that and and then eventually got into coaching. Um, And... I knew for a long time that it was part of my story, being quite multi-passionate and being interested in lots of different things, but I I didn't know how to really talk about it for a while. And I didn't really, I knew it, it was something that made me really me, but I didn't quite know how to talk about it. And now it's like, wow, the fact that I've done all of these things adds so much to my business because I bring in so many of my different things. And the more that I bring in dance, bring in my yoga stuff, bring in meditations, I'm a really good facilitator because of my teaching background. And being able to really embrace that has shifted like the gear so much. Um, And so it's like, yes, self-love is my niche. And that's the foundation for the work that I do. 
but really I'm my niche <laughs> and so that's really exciting and fun because it means I get to bring in the things that feel really good for me um so yeah that's been such a fun exploration for me uh, I love that so much and I think this is really going to resonate for our listeners because so many women that I meet especially those like in their kind of late 20s and early 30s they are shaming and shitting on themselves because they're like I've done so many things I don't know what my purpose is I'm a failure all my friends have been in the same job and the same relationship since they were 17 and they have a house and I'm like who the fuck am I and having my satin return in an existential (laughs) crisis Uh, and I'm like I'm exact the exact same like I studied half of a law and arts degree spent loads of money on that decided you know a couple of years in "Mm, I don't think I'm like this is going to work for me right I don't like being told what to do um and then studied fashion and then went into the fashion industry and then even throughout my business my business has changed multiple times and the work that I do I've known you yeah so much yeah Mm. and so I think it's really nice for us to share this because it's giving people the permission slip maybe that they didn't know existed, that you're allowed to change and evolve and you probably should, right? If, if you're growing and evolving and like deepening who you are as a person and having new experiences, like, of course, you're going to change. Of course, yeah. things are going to shift and certain things are going to feel more congruent and less congruent as you grow and expand so it's a good thing I think and you do draw on so many different experiences in in your current experience Mm, absolutely it's such a good thing and also just to highlight like don't be afraid to bring in those different parts of who you are and the different skills that you have that might like on the surface level not feel that related to your work but I just I just encourage you to question like is it really unrelated? Because so much of what we have and so much of what we have to share now is built from our experiences. And, and like, I've, I've had so many questions from people like, I'm a yoga teacher, but I'm also an artist. Like they seem so separate. And for me, I'm like, they're not separate. They're both like spiritual work. Like you can create something so powerful with those, with those things. You don't need to like disregard one you know, and it's actually by embracing all of the things that, that you love, um, you're able to share something in the way that no one else can. And that's like, we get to be so creative with this, which is, which is the fun part. Like, and this should be fun. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. So you talk a lot about, and I know you work with women who have businesses and you share that self-love isn't this kind of I guess optional thing in business is actually really important the same level of importance as business mentoring or you know having all the kind of strategy is having the self-love strategy beneath it all so that you can actually show up powerfully in your business so I would love to hear your thoughts on like why self-love is so important to business and our work yeah because without it, you can't actually implement the strategy, you know, and I was having a conversation with someone the other day, and she was saying, she was like, actually, yeah, if I think about all of the business books that I've read, 
a lot of them are actually about mindset you know a lot of business books and like trainings are actually about the energetics of being a leader um Mm -hmm. and so self-love for business for me and I just did a workshop on this yesterday um self-love for business is using your voice knowing that you are able to take up space as a leader um being proud to share your message knowing that you get to be seen you know basically like it's like what does self-love mean in a non-business sense taking up space being who you are having the confidence to express you know your voice and all of that applies to business as well and it's actually the people that do all of those things powerfully that we see that are really successful in business and it's like who do we look up to whose stories do we love to watch whose Instagram account do we love to follow and it almost always is the people that are being unapologetically themselves the people that are not afraid to speak up the people that share things in their own way. They're not trying to be anyone else, you know, and all of that is is self-love work for me. All of that is a work of saying, this is me, this is my message. I know it might not be for everyone. I know it might offend some people, but I'm going to share it anyway. Um, and business is, <laughs> is like such self-development work. I'm sure you'll agree. It's like, it can be such a spiritual awakening for some people, kind of like a relate relationships are. It's for me, it's like a mirror. It shows you all mm. your wounds. It shows you where you're people pleasing. It shows you where you're not feeling good enough. It shows you where you're like feeling worried about being rejected by clients or by people on Instagram. It shows you where you're being a perfectionist because you want your offers to be like absolutely perfect. Um, and so it highlights where you still have work to do. So I think it's, I think it's super exciting. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's such a mirror. Like you can have all that strategy and then if it's still not working, like you're definitely going to have that inner critic voice come up, right. And be like, well, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to. I'm working really hard and my clients aren't coming or I'm getting rejection or I'm not getting any engagement on my social media or whatever it is. And if you haven't done like work to be able to hold space for that thought and move through it and heal it and hold it, like that's just going to continue to affect how you show up. Like you are going to show up in a totally different way on social media or if you don't have a business, like going in to ask your boss for a pay rise and feeling awkward about it. Like how you show up will be so influenced by how you emotionally feel about yourself, how much you love yourself, how much work you've done around your beliefs and like moving through them, having boundaries, enforcing those boundaries. Like I haven't done really any business coaching or had any business coaching for like quite a while now. I've just been doing a lot of like deep shamanic healing and like stuff just on my own body and my inner child and stuff. And my business actually does a lot better when I'm just focusing on that stuff because it allows everything else to kind of flow. Um, So I'm really glad that we got to kind of go into this as well. Yeah. Um, Something else that's really different to this that I want to talk to you about. It's so interesting to talk to you about (laughs) this is, um, I know you went through a really big journey of like moving to Bali to be with your last partner 
you guys ended up going through a breakup and you did what I can only think of describing as like a conscious uncoupling and now yeah. you're quite good friends. Yeah. So I want to hear about like <laughs> how how have you stayed mates with your ex, which most people are like, that is not a thing, um, yeah. but it is a thing for you. And um, I know that you had a journey that you guys went through to get to this place. So I would love to hear yeah. about it. I love that we're, we, we're getting through all the topics today. I love it. I love it. We, we could do like five different podcast episodes. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a really big topic. So I'm like, oh, where to even start? Um, where to start? Um, hmm. So for me, I knew for, for, for this relationship, like it, and maybe it's also a reflection of me and my personality. Um, but I couldn't see this being a situation of, right, we're brave, we're broken up, we're not speaking to each other again or not seeing each other again. Like that just didn't make sense to me. Um, we were also in Bali at the time and we were teaching at the same yoga studios and kind of living in the same community. So even if we wanted to not see each other or not speak to each other, it also wouldn't have been physically possible. <laughs> um, and so it was a, yeah, some of the, some of the deepest work that I've ever done, probably like moving through that transition of, of, knowing that there's so much love there but the relationship as it was wasn't really working and having to really mourn that and grieve that and allowing it to shift shape and form and because for me like the love never just leaves you know mm. you don't just you don't just stop loving someone that fucking lie who decided that you know like you don't just stop yeah. loving someone and when we break up with someone and I see so many, you know, and this is different if you've been in a really toxic relationship, like conscious uncoupling is not going to work for many situations and it shouldn't either. And it's not mm -hmm. going to work. But um, so much of the time I see people break up, never speak to each other again, um, have resentment for that person, hold on to hate. And really, like, hate is just another bond. And I think psychologists talk about, um, like, hate being a way to actually hold on to the person, even though we don't think that we yeah. are. Um, and for me, it just doesn't make sense to have spent so much of your time with someone. They know absolutely everything about you. They're your closest person. And then you just never speak to them again. Like, for me, that's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> for me that is the crazy thing how can you have someone that's so close to you in your life and then you just break up and that's it they're gone um yeah. like that actually doesn't really make sense to me um so I'd heard about conscious uncoupling um and I was obviously in Bali in a very spiritual conscious place um and I did more research. I um, bought a book by the therapist that kind of coined that, that term. And she has a, a process that she writes about in this book. Um, I think Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin like made it famous. Yeah. Um, and I was like, right, like this is something that I want to try. And um it was challenging. I want to say that because I know people look at me and Chris talk about it now and they see me talk about it on Instagram and 
I don't want to skip over the fact that it's really hard. It brings up a lot of stuff because it's easy to just say goodbye and not have to deal with the stuff, you know, but can you actually consciously relate with a person that you're no longer together with romantically? Feelings take a while to shift and change. So you've got that really challenging transition period. It is really, really hard. But for me, I knew that it was worth it. I knew that this was someone that there was some, there was purpose of having that person in my life in a, in a new form. Um, and so I wanted to try. And mm-hmm. I think the scary thing about this is everything is so uncertain, just like with all relationships, really. You don't know how things are going to work out. You don't know mm-hmm. how long it's going to take. There is no guarantee. Um, and so it's kind of been an ongoing journey um, from when we broke up about just just over a year ago up until now and he actually came on to my program and we did a guest workshop on it and that was for me and that was just like wow and even for us preparing for that workshop um that was like a new stage of transition as we were preparing for the workshop and we were just like wow we're actually we're here and we're doing this um so yeah it's hard to know what to share with you because this is such a big topic Mm. but if you've got any other questions feel free Yeah. Well, as you're speaking, what I'm thinking about is like, if I think about all my previous boyfriends from when I was not the conscious spiritual person that I am now, from when I was very the opposite, we were like, none of us talk, right? Like they live in other countries. I have escaped them. We don't have each other on social media. And it was kind of like that, like, let's cut ties and not speak sort of thing and a lot of like hurt and pain and different things that were there that I've processed over time right so I don't hold any resentment but as you were speaking I was thinking about I wonder how much of your self-love work has contributed to allow you to be in that very conscious space to do that Uh, because I do think like if you are relying on the relationship for your validation and your self-worth, which many people do, and I have done in the past, I feel like if I had have kept people around, it almost would have been like my trauma doing that, you know, almost wanting to not let them go, keep an eye on them. And it would have been very hard to see them hooking up with other people, having that information. And so um, how much of your self-love work do you think has allowed you to be so conscious in this uncoupling process? Yeah, definitely a lot. Absolutely. It's been a massive part of it. Um, Being really committed, yeah, to myself first. And all of this, like, saying that it's it hasn't been easy the whole time like yes it's going to be painful when you know that they've hooked up with someone else like you can't escape that pain (laughs) so yes that's going to be painful and if you'd rather just not have that pain at all then like this process might not be possible you know um and it's really a process of sitting with a lot of discomfort that you can't escape, which is why it's been such a spiritual journey for me. Um, so absolutely, it's been a real process of, of practicing knowing my worth, of sitting with discomfort, sitting with some really challenging moments and sitting with uncertainty too, because none of this is guaranteed. None of this Mm. is set in stone. Um, I know a big mistake that I made was kind of wanting 
almost to rush the process, almost wanting to know exactly how we were going to be friends and what it would look like and what, you know, it's like, I couldn't, I, I couldn't predict exactly how things would work out. And I kind of wanted to. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I think it takes a lot of conscious awareness to go through a process like this. Um, and it also takes both people to have a willingness to. And I think that's really important because I know that was a question that came up a lot from the women in my program when we did the workshop together um, was like, yeah, I don't think my ex would want to. And it's like, that's okay. You know, we can't control what someone is up for. Um, and yeah, to stay friends with someone obviously requires you to both want to do it. Um, and I, it's funny, actually, I know for me, like almost a requirement for my next partner would be, if we break up, are you the type of person that I would be able to consciously uncouple with and go through that conscious separation process with? For mm -hmm. me, I don't want to be with someone that wouldn't be up for that. Because I know if they're not, they don't have that kind of level level of conscious awareness. Like, yeah, like that. Just where else in the relationship would that level of conscious awareness not be? So it's been really, really interesting for me to just kind of sit with all of these reflections. Yeah, I think it's an interesting piece for people to think about as well. If they do intend to have children with someone that they're in a relationship with as well, like. I've just thought about this now, but actually my parents consciously uncoupled, but they've done this kind of unconsciously because I'm very sure they hadn't ever heard of that term. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> my parents are not spiritual, although they're like becoming more open now. But, yeah. um, you know, my parents broke up when I was four and I have never seen anything but like love and respect and mm -hmm. like just they're, they're friends. Yeah. and. Um, like what, even when we got married, we went and stayed in this cottage with Tristan's parents, my husband, and like they met, you know, the parents met each other for the first time. And my uh, mum and dad were like sat on a couch next to each other, sharing a bag of crisps and just having a chat. And Tristan's parents who are still together, they were like, how do they get along so well? Like they look like they're getting along better than us sort of thing. And I was like, <laughs> they're just mates and they just really respect each other. And I think that they're just very like self-secure people. So they were able yeah. to do that. And for me, that was amazing having that growing up because the divorce didn't really affect me so much. Mm, I love that. That is so powerful that you have that example because yeah, although the term conscious uncoupling makes it look like this big spiritual thing. Like really it's just two human beings that still have love for each other and that love has shifted. Um, but they're still allowing each other to be in their lives in the way that it suits them both. Um, and they're not blocking that or suppressing that. Um, so I love that. That's so powerful. Yeah, it is really nice, really, you know, like they never say anything, you know, negative about each other and made our childhood a lot more easy, you know. Mm -hmm. It actually made it kind of fun because I was like, I can go to their different houses and like <laughs> I leverage my power with each of them. Yeah. Um, but I think it's interesting because, you know, a lot of people 
getting divorced now and you know having children and it must be a struggle to co-parent if both of you aren't on board and communicating in the same way so yeah super powerful um so for anyone listening who is wondering you know should I go on this self-love journey maybe they're having a chaotic time right now I mean who isn't in 2020 um or they're going through something like a transition a breakup feeling not themselves where do they start with the self-love work what's the first step yeah and that's that's I love this question but sometimes I'm always like there are so (laughs) many different answers to this question (laughs) (laughs) um because there is so many different things that you can do and I think I'll go for a simple one and that's to know that wherever you are right now is okay, you know, to know that to, to and some of the things that we talked about earlier, to not resist this challenge that you're in. And a really, one of my most simplest, but for me and for my clients, like most beneficial practices that I do is like a meditation of sitting with your pain, whatever that pain is. Um, Whatever the feeling is, the frustration, the anger, the sadness, the, the grief, acknowledge what it is, close your eyes, find some space, acknowledge that feeling, say it, give it a label, feel it in the body, and then just sit there <laughs> and breathe and watch it. And it might stay for a while, it might soften, it might shift, you might want to move your body a little bit. Um, And most of the time it does soften when you allow it to have some space to exist for a little while. Um, So, yeah, I think the one thing that I would say is just practice being with you in all shapes and forms. The smiley, happy, excited you, as well as the you that isn't feeling so great. Because that's 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 the real self-love work when we can hold ourselves with compassion through the darker moments. Mm, definitely definitely it's like not escaping it is it? I felt like this the other week and I was so like anxious and sad this day and I was like oh fuck yeah oh my god okay this is a self-love work I'm like reminding myself in those <laughs> yeah. moments like what yeah. I teach I'm like don't escape it don't work don't <laughs> stay busy sit here and be really fucking uncomfortable right and it's so powerful when you do it like you never want to do it, but sometimes you have to do it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And sit with those spaces. It's, it's, it's not what you want to do, but it's going to serve you so, so well. Amazing. Awesome. Are there any books that you love to recommend, by the way, because people are always asking for the recos? Um, which book do I always recommend? Um, I often recommend A Return to Love, Marianne Williamson. Um, just because all of that work really is about returning to who you are and releasing the conditioning, you know, releasing the fear, releasing everything that you're not and returning back to who you really are. So that's, mm-hmm. that's one of, yeah, that's one of my number one recommendations. Awesome. And you recommended a really good book to me that I recommend now to everyone, Attached. Uh, Attached. Oh, so good. So good. Yeah, that's that's a game changer for relationships and for noticing how you show up in relationships and the type of relationships that you find yourself in. Yeah, that's yeah. super powerful. 
Yeah, because I actually came to Bali when you were in your conscious uncoupling. Oh, and you were yeah. like, babe, I read this book and it's like helped me so much. <laughs> and now I'm like to everyone, read this book. For anything, loves relationships, breakups, because yeah, you just need this information in your brain. Mm. In your brain, <laughs> absolutely. And yeah, so the book um, that I mentioned earlier, it's just called Conscious Uncoupling. I feel like her name is Catherine Thomas, Catherine Woodward Thomas, something like that. Um, she's the author and the therapist, um, and it talks about what conscious uncoupling is, and it gives loads of different exercises. So I definitely recommend that. Um, even if like you're not going to do it with the partner present, there's a lot of work that you can do on your own. You know, even if, you know, you might be like, there might be a partner from a few years back that you're still kind of wanting to consciously release. So a lot of that work can be really powerful for you to let go of, of someone that might not be physically in your life, but is still taking a lot of energy um, mm. in your life. Yeah, got to cut those cords, got to let it go. Yeah. Amazing. So where can our listeners find you and your amazing work? Yeah, come find me over on the gram. It's just my name, Sabby.ker. Um, yeah, I share lots on there, share lots of my stories. Always love having a good DM chat as well. So yeah, let me know. Let me know your takeaways from this episode. I'd love to, I'd love to know if you had a listen. Yeah, sounds amazing. Thank you so much, Angel. I really appreciate you coming and sharing your gifts and always love talking to you. It's been really good to catch up. Mm, so good. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this episode ignited you, expanded you and enriched your heart, your mind, your life in some way. If it did, reach out on Instagram. My handle is this is Amy Rushworth, or you can head over to my website for all my courses, retreats, and magical offerings at amyrushworth.com. If the show feels like a vibe for you, make sure you subscribe. And if you have 60 seconds to rate and review, or even to just share the show with a friend, I would be so, so, so grateful. And it helps more amazing, beautiful people like you to discover this show and to improve their lives for the better. Stay tuned for the next episode. And until then, I'm sending you strength, grace, ferocious courage, and a friendly reminder to always love yourself fiercely and to go out there and live your most unapologetic life.